You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW Talknet. Hi, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with Judicial Watch's weekly update on social media. Thanks for joining us during this constitutional crisis, which continues the coup against President Trump. I'll bring you up to speed on the latest developments, including finally some strong pushback from the White House on it. Also, we have new lawsuits on a related matter, which is the Joe Biden scandal, his son's exploits in Ukraine and China, big lawsuit there. Plus, we're in federal court against Hillary Clinton over whether we'll depose her under oath, meaning our attorneys put her under oath about her emails in Benghazi, uh, including new testimony, which will shock you and though probably not surprise you about what Hillary Clinton knew and when about her email use. Uh, But first up is the uh, ongoing crisis, constitutional crisis, generated by, in my view, unlawful conduct by House Democratic leadership to overthrow the President of the United States, Donald Trump. We have this unprecedented coup attempt against the President, and I know everyone else calls it impeachment. And I'll tell you once, and I'll tell you again, uh, that when you think about impeachment, whenever you hear the word impeachment, you should substitute the word coup. Because to call it impeachment suggests lawfulness, suggests constitutionality, suggests a respect for the rule of law, suggests a, a protection of the rights of those involved. This has nothing to do with that. This is an exercise in raw political power by uh, Nancy Pelosi and uh, people like Adam Schiff to overthrow the President of the United States. The, uh, remember how this all began. You had this illicit communication between the wheat leaker and Adam Schiff. And it certainly almost, in, uh, it almost certainly included the conveyance of classified information contrary to law. Because, uh, and if you've been following this, uh, you will see that this guy is not, or gal, is not a whistleblower. In the sense that the whistleblower law covered his conduct. Whistleblower law does not allow him to communicate with Congress directly as he did. He just can't bypass all the structures in place in the intelligence community that provide for actual whistleblowing to share classified or sensitive information with members of Congress. He can't do that. And you know how I know they know it was wrong? Because Adam Schiff lied about it. He was asked specifically, did you communicate? Did you communicate with the whistleblower? And he said, "Uh, no, we did not. In fact, he did. His staff communicated with him. Uh, He was briefed on what happened and certainly his tweets between the time he heard about it and the time the complaint became public suggest that he knew all about it. Why would he lie? He could have said, yeah, I was talking. He did talk to me. He, He tried to tell me what happened. I said, stop. You can't tell me this. If you want to pursue it, go to the inspector general's office. Get yourself a lawyer. File a complaint. But rather than be forthcoming, he lied and certainly misled his colleagues and the American people about his role in this, in this plot. So we have this corruptly formed and, as I'll point out, corruptly followed impeachment effort against President Trump. This is a, uh, an abuse of power that is unparalleled in American history. Uh, there's been three prior presidential impeachments. What they're doing with Trump fits none of them in terms of the having a full House vote authorizing the inquiry 
and providing certain due process rights to the targeted president. Now, the response from the House is, well, they can do whatever they want. Well, I don't think that to be the case, but that's the response from the House. They can do whatever they want. The Constitution doesn't require the president gets a lawyer. The Constitution doesn't uh, require the president's able to confront witnesses against them. The, the Constitution doesn't require any of that. That's their argument. From the civil libertarian left, that is their argument. And I'm glad the, the, the White House counsel, Pat Cipollone, pushed back because the administration said, we're not going to play in this coup. We're not going to play along with this coup. We're not going to participate in this attack on the president as long as the basic structures and due process rights available to any other U.S. citizen are not in place. Now, the media would have you believe this was just a political document. Well, of course, it's a political process. So the letter by the lawyer makes political points. But I want to highlight the substantive points by the White House here. And I don't do that often that I read you know, a White House document like this. But I do it because it highlights the constitutional concerns quite ably here. And you won't hear about it anywhere else. If you want to find out what the legal issues are here, good luck finding it. Look at a, look, I want you to do an exercise. Go ahead and try to find out information about what the text of this document. See how the newspapers and the news organizations describe it. The pro-coup newspapers and news organizations trying to take out the president. See how they describe it. You won't find out any of this, but for independent folks like Judicial Watch. So he writes on behalf of the United States rejecting the legally unsupported demands made as part, of what, as part of what you have labeled contrary to the Constitution of the United States and all by, passed by partisan precedent as, quote, an impeachment inquiry. And the letter's written to Nancy Pelosi, Elliot Engel, who's chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Adam Schiff, the corrupt head of the Intelligence Committee, and Elijah Cummings, chairman of the Ways uh, Oversight and Reform Committee. As you know, you have designed and implemented your inquiry in a, matter, in a manner that violates fundamental fairness and constitutionally mandated due process. For example, and I want you to listen to this carefully, you have denied the president the right to cross-examine witnesses, to call witnesses, to receive transcripts of testimony, to have access to evidence, to have counsel present, and many other basic rights guaranteed to all Americans. You have conducted your proceedings in secret. You have violated civil liberties and the separation of powers by threatening executive branch officials, claiming they will seek to punish those who exercise fundamental constitutional rights and prerogatives. All of this violates the Constitution, the rule of law, and with emphasis in the document, every past precedent. Never before in our history has the House of Representatives, under the control of either political party, taken the American people down the dangerous path you have, been, you have seemed determined to pursue. And then later, here, House leadership claims to have initiated the gravest interbranch conflict contemplated under our Constitution by means of nothing more than a press conference at which the Speaker of the House simply announced an official impeachment inquiry. Your contrived process is unprecedented in the history of the nation and lacks the necessary authorization for a valid impeachment proceeding. The Supreme Court has recognized that due process 
protections apply to all congressional investigations. Indeed, it has been recognized that the Due Process Clause applies to impeachment proceedings and precedent or for the rights to cross-examine witnesses, call witnesses, and present evidence dates back nearly 150 years. To comply with the Constitution's demands, appropriate procedures would include at a minimum the right to see all evidence, to present evidence, to call witnesses, to have counsel present at all hearings, to cross-examine all witnesses, to make objections relating to the examination of witnesses or the admissibility of testimony and evidence, and to respond to evidence and testimony. Likewise, the committees must provide for the disclosure of all evidence favorable to the president and all evidence bearing on the credibility of witnesses called to testify in the inquiry. The committee's current procedures provide none of these basic constitutional rights. This is the constitutional crisis I've been telling you. The fact that none of these basic, these basic forms, basic norms, forms and norms are being followed by the House Democrats highlights the coup-like nature of what they're doing. They want to move with speed, which is what a coup requires, secrecy, which is what a coup requires, and lack of respect for the rule of law and the civil rights of those they're targeting. Impeachment is a constitutional process, and as such, the Constitution uh, can't be, other parts of the Constitution uh, don't get cast aside. It doesn't overrule the due process rights due to a, a president or witnesses. The less point of view is, you object to this? Well, your objection is proof of guilt, and we're going to impeach you for it. That's what they're saying in response to the president's objections to this unlawful process. If they're so confident, the left is, about their efforts to remove the president, why don't they follow regular procedure? Why don't they issue a, uh, an impeachment inquiry that affords a process that protects everyone involved? They don't want to do that. They still are considering, for instance, having this anonymous leaker remain anonymous, while at the same time bringing in witnesses to be questioned under oath and potentially face jail as they try to figure out who this secret person is that's raising allegations against them. About material that's already out public, meaning the transcript of the phone call between the president and the president of Ukraine that supposedly has generated all this. And of course, if you've been following Judicial Watch, you'll recognize that this lawlessness is just the norm when it comes to attacking this president. They spied on him illegally, they concocted this scam and scheme and ambush and entrapment to get the special counsel appointed to harass him for two years over nothing. Because remember, they knew there was no collusion. Yet they allowed this harassment to continue and victimized the president and everyone around him. So that didn't work out the way they wanted politically. So they concocted this Ukraine scam, which not coincidentally has had the effect of freezing any criminal investigations into Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and as famously with Ukraine, Joe Biden. And of course themselves for their involvement in the illegal spying and targeting of candidate Trump, President-elect Trump, and President Trump. That's what this is about. 
and they're willing to tear up the Constitution to protect themselves, tear up the Constitution to uh, maintain or obtain power. So when you hear anything about these court fights and the Democrats saying they want evidence, they don't want evidence. This is the Alice in Wonderland approach to impeachment. Verdict first, evidence never. To suggest they want evidence suggests that there's a judicial process of some type going on. This is the furthest thing possible from a judicial process. I recognize it's, it's a political operation in the sense you have the legislative branch and politicians running it. But if they want the power of law to compel cooperation, that law protects not only their rights to compel cooperation, but the rights of those they seek information from. And the corruption they're and the corruption they're protecting, it's just getting worse and worse the more we learn about it. For instance, it just was disclosed to us, and others have been talking about it in the media, and I'm going to read the tweet I put out on it. If you're not following my Twitter feed at, at Tom Fitton or Judicial Watch's Twitter feed, you miss a lot of information. So the tweet I wrote is Judicial Watch investigating allegations U.S. Embassy in Ukraine at direction of Obama holdover Ambassador uh, Yukonovich was monitoring, contrary to U.S. law, social and other media statements on, quote, Biden and, quote, Soros, among other terms, by real Donald Trump, President Trump's family and allies. Did you hear that? You had an Obama holdover misusing government resources to monitor the public statements and social media activities of people close to Trump on the specific issue of Biden and Soros. I'm not the only one who knows about this. Judicial Watch isn't the only one who knows about this. Tells you what they were worried about, doesn't it? Because you have to remember you had the Soros operation involved in Ukraine as well. And they were trying to protect them from any serious investigation over there, it looks like. Why were they, why were they going against the law to monitor Trump world? This is FISA Gate Part 2. Illegal spying on American citizens by an Obama holdover in Ukraine. Obviously concerned that the whole uh, scam to protect Biden and Soros was going to be exposed. So we filed a Freedom of Information Act request because you can bet Congress isn't going to ask the documents for documents like this. Supposedly this ambassador may testify. I don't know if she will now. Given the president's objections, he, he ain't cooperating with this coup attack. He's not going to participate in his own hanging, so to speak. And we're not giving up on Biden. You know, the Congress wants to pretend the Biden scandal doesn't exist. The media wants to pretend the Biden scandal doesn't exist. Even as more evidence comes forward virtually every day that, yes, the Ukrainians were directed by the administration in every which way 
to shut down any investigation into the company associated with Hunter Biden. We've already filed a lawsuit against the State Department about the firing of that prosecutor, the firing that took place at the request specifically of Barack, oh wait, of Joe Biden. Oh yeah, he did admit that Barack Obama knew about it. Remember, the prosecutor was fired under threat of losing a billion dollars in aid, which is exactly the specific corruption they accused of Trump doing, which he didn't do, Biden literally admits to. So we've asked for documents on that. But we also expanded our investigation this week with two new federal lawsuits under the Freedom of Information Act, seeking information about how the Committee on Foreign... Let me make sure I'm getting the name of the government bureaucracy. The Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. So presumably the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States is a committee of uh, government officials, senior cabinet level officials, who are supposed to evaluate transactions involving foreign investment in the U.S. in order to determine the effect of such transactions on the national security of the United States. They're supposed to protect us from, quote, foreign investment that is under the guise of foreign governments or their fronts that would harm our national security. You may remember this agency came up or this committee came up over the Uranium One scandal where the allegation was that hundreds of millions or tens of millions, whatever the number was, was funneled into the Clinton machine by the, Ukraine, by the Russians, I think through Ukraine as well, to guarantee a good result for the Uranium One purchase that resulted in Russia effectively gaining access to a significant portion of our uranium production. So we wanted to know if the two companies associated with Hunter Biden, Ukraine's Burisma Holdings and China's Bohai Harvest, RST, BHR, when underwent this review by the Committee on Foreign investment in the United States. We asked for the documents. They gave us the runaround. They refused to respond. So we had to sue. Now, why is it we have reason to believe this committee would have evaluated this? Because uh, the, both companies were involved in deals that potentially impacted our national security. In, for instance, 19, in 2015, the Hunter Biden Chinese company participated in a $600 million buyout of Michigan automotive suspension systems maker uh, Henegis Automotive. Now, they produce anti-vibration technologies that have military application. And then, of course, he also joined Burisma Holdings, which was one of Ukraine's largest natural gas companies, paid who knows how much money per month. It seems to be increasing from now it was 50, then it was 90. No board member gets paid that type of money, guys. Uh, you know that. It's necessarily corrupt the amount of money. It's just a matter of figuring out what was expected in exchange for the exorbitant money. It's kind of like Clinton speaking fees. No normal, no norm no normal ex-president regularly gets half a million dollars to give a 20-minute speech. So you got to look to see what were they expecting in exchange for that half million dollars. Same goes with Burisma Holdings.
So they were involved in the United States business as well. Because of the energy, because of the gas, uh, the natural gas business, and how uh, its impact here in the United States, and the fact that they refuse to answer our questions suggests that they have something to hide in the deep state. There, the Commerce Department recently barred over two dozen Chinese companies from doing business in the United States. One of which is also reported to be a company that had been invested, had investments were a stake owned by the Biden Chinese company, BHR Holdings, partners. They were developing facial recognition technology, which, as you know, is a sensitive topic with the Chinese now. So now that's three lawsuits Judicial Watch has filed to get information about what Joe Biden's up to. That scandal obviously isn't going to be investigated by his his friends in the, in the Democratic Party running the House now. It's actually all this coup activity is designed to protect him from any serious investigation there. So it's Judicial Watch that needs to come in and do the heavy lifting on this basic major scandal. And then we have further developments this week on the other part of the coup, the, the other phase of the coup, the Mueller phase of the coup. I reported to you last week how we uncovered documents, an email between Rod Rosenstein and Robert Mueller, dated March 12, 2017, saying the boss doesn't know about our discussions, meaning that the boss, probably Sessions at the time, uh, they were having secret discussions about hiring Mueller as special counsel. At around the same time, Mueller was pursuing the FBI position with President Trump that had come open because of the firing of Comey. How on earth would it be appropriate for Mueller to even ask questions, of the, be in the same room with the president to discuss business while he is about to take on the job that he secretly discussed with the Justice Department to supposedly prosecute him? About the very issue for which he was being hired, potentially, the FBI. I've asked this question repeatedly. How could Mueller run an investigation in which she was a witness? So following this major revelation by Judicial Watch of the secret communication between Rosenstein and Mueller, and think of the dates here, because the meeting between, so Rosenstein has the email communication with Mueller on March 12th, saying the boss and the staff doesn't know about our discussions. So on March 12th, you got that communication. March 16th, Mueller is in the Oval Office, meeting with the president. Now, Fox News suggests he lied when he said he wasn't interviewing for the FBI job. He testified to Congress. He said, I wasn't there to interview. I was there, quote, to provide input to the president about the position. My understanding was I was not applying for the job. I was asked to give my input on what it would take to do the job. Well, to me, that really doesn't matter, but it now looks like he lied. Multiple administration officials, according to Catherine Herridge at Fox, Brett Baer, Jacobson at Fox News, it wasn't Catherine who wrote this story up, 
multiple officials, excuse me, multiple administration officials tell Fox News that when Robert Mueller met with President Trump in May of 2017, Mueller was indeed pursuing the open post as director of the FBI, something the Russia probe special counsel denied under oath during congressional testimony that summer. Officials also told Fox News government documents show Mueller was pursuing the job as a candidate himself. And it came as emails released this month through a Freedom of Information Act request by the conservative group Judicial Watch, which I just told you about, seemed to indicate Mueller knew that there was a real possibility he could be named as special counsel if he wasn't chosen as the next FBI director. What a scam that was. He goes into the Oval Office of the President of the United States and doesn't tell him, hey, I'm gonna, I, I can't really even talk to you now because I'm, I'm about to be appointed a special counsel, or I may be if I don't get the job that I'm talking to you about. This was another ambush of the President. I'm convinced that meeting was Mueller doing an analysis of the president as either a witness or a subject of a criminal investigation, just like Comey had done dishonestly earlier in the year. And, I, and it looks like, according to the news, I don't think it's in this story, that, Mueller, uh, that the leads generated by Judicial Watch through this email traffic that we uncovered thanks to our lawsuit is being pursued now by Barr and, and his uh, U.S. attorney, on this case, Durham. So I want you to think about what we got. A few weeks ago, we got the documents showing that there was a discussion about invoking the 25th Amendment. The documents confirm that. These are emails and communications within the Justice Department and uh, emails written by Rod Rosenstein. You can see uh, how he uh, refused to deny that the discussions had taken place. And then there's this memo that McCabe wrote about the meeting he had with Rosenstein where they talked about wearing a wire on the President of the United States. Wasn't said sarcastically, as if that helps. And then on top of that, we've got the corruption of the Mueller appointment. So I, let me ask you if this sounds like a coup to you. You've got the Justice Department senior guy on the case, Rod Rosenstein, who for, who for purposes of law was acting Attorney General you have the deputy, excuse me, the acting FBI director, all talking about three things, wearing a wire on the president, appointing a special counsel, and invoking the 25th Amendment to overthrow him. If you had two generals doing like that, do, talking like that, what would you call it? You call it a coup. We have documented the coup, and if Barr is doing his job, he needs to pursue this. And it's Judicial Watch that has documented it. As a result of our disclosures, Mueller could be subject to a perjury investigation. I don't want to overstate the likelihood of that happening because we know how the deep state protects its own. But it would never happen but for Judicial Watch's disclosures. So that's big news. This is why... This is why they want to overthrow the president, because they know if justice settles down and is able to do its work the way it ought to do, not the way the swamp wants it to do, not the way the swamp wants it to do it, there will be a lot of people facing prosecution. 
speaking of facing prosecution, Hillary Clinton, back in court with Judicial Watch again. I've been telling you about our, our battle to try to get her to come into court and testify under oath. Uh, federal court judge, Judge Royce Lamberth, late last year granted us discovery in a Benghazi FOIA case, a talking points case. Remember those talking points they used, the lie to the American people about Benghazi? Well, it was that case that helped uncover the Clinton emails. The, ju the judge was furious about the way that scandal uh, erupted and how his court was seemingly misled. He authorized us to conduct discovery. We witnesses came in. They testified. We, even get, uh, we, we generated even more questions about what went on, showing the White House, the Obama White House, was behind the cover-up. Uh, the State Department was knowingly lying about whether there was a Clinton email system. Hillary Clinton was warned at least twice on her email usage by a security official. All sorts of questions were raised. And the court looked at that, and he said, you know what, Judicial Watch, you've asked a lot of questions. I want to know what the heck the State Department was doing here. You get more witnesses. And Mrs. Clinton, you're on that list of potential witnesses. In fact, Judicial Watch can go ahead and question these other witnesses and you have 30 days to respond as to why you shouldn't be deposed and questioned under oath on your emails in Benghazi by Judicial Watch. And she did respond a few weeks ago. And just this past week, Judicial Watch filed its response, which includes new testimony by a now retired records official at the State Department that Hillary Clinton was warned at least six times about her email usage. Six occasions Secretary Clinton was or should have been fully informed of federal records management, including email records and compliance responsibilities. Six times. And needless to say, Hillary Clinton thinks whatever she said publicly and under oath about this is sufficient. And of course, all of her statements have been vague and raised more questions than they answer. I did it for convenience. I thought everything was being captured. No one's been able to ask follow-on questions there. Congress's questioning of her was notoriously incompetent. They highlighted she talked for 11 hours. That says more about the inability of Congress to answer, ask questions and pursue leads in a, in a way that would be helpful to a court than it does about whether Hillary Clinton was providing information that was useful for the court to figure out what was going on here. And of course, we know the FBI investigation of her was a sham. Got two words for you about how credible that investigation was. Tarmac meeting. So we filed our response, and here's our response. 14 pages. And I want to read you a little bit from it. Because again, everyone wants you to believe the Hillary Clinton email scandal's over. It's not. First of all, a federal court wants to know what's going on. So it's not over as, as, as far as a federal court wants to know is concerned. And the statute of limitations hasn't run on Hillary Clinton or anyone else involved in the scandal. I don't think it runs until 2021. The court described this case, and this is a quote from the court, as one of the gravest modern offenses to government transparency. Grave misconduct was permitted at the State Department and Secretary Clinton was the key player. Her actions and motives were the impetus to the doubt and questions raised directly in this case. Did Hillary Clinton use her private email as Secretary of State 
to thwart the Freedom of Information Act? Was the State Department's attempt to settle this case in 2014 an effort to avoid searching and disclosing the existence of Clinton's emails? And has State ever adequately searched for records in this case? Still, those actions and motives remain unclear, and Secretary Clinton continues to assert there, there's nothing more for her to say yet. She continues to make light of the legal issues caused by her actions. And we highlight the fact she's joking on it still. She's joking about it still. You may have seen her joking about it, sending out tweets, oh, but my emails. She's doing that even as the court is actively considering whether to bring her in under her oath. That's chutzpah. Convenience is the only answer Secretary Clinton has provided publicly to the Federal Bureau of Investigation and to Congress on the question about why she used her personal email. But that's where the response ends. What is meant by convenience is never made clear. What was convenient about using her private server? Why was it convenient? Why was the agency system not convenient to switch to? Judicial Watch should be permitted to directly question to directly question Secretary Clinton about her motives, thoughts, and efforts regarding, quote, the convenience she relies upon in justifying her use of a secret private server and email address in direct violation of federal laws and State Department policies. State Department Federal Records Office Tasha Thien testified that it was inconceivable that Mrs. Clinton, Secretary Clinton, was not aware of her obligations regarding federal records and email management. This is a quote from her. I don't understand why she would come up with these statements that she was allowed or how she would save rec record email by emailing another employee's account. She had resources there plenty, that, so it just doesn't make sense to me. Even before taking office, she testified, Secretary Clinton, quote, knew we had a process, unquote. Secretary Clinton, in January of 2009 or 2008, excuse me, December 2008 or January 2009, Secretary Clinton sent a representative to inquire on her behalf about retaining papers that she wanted to bring with her upon departure from the agency. Remember, she took the 60,000 emails with her and destroyed half of them? Ms. Theanna and Clarence Finney, who was Deputy Director of the Office of Correspondence and Records, briefed Secretary Clinton's representatives on the departure process and departing officials' procedures, and provided the departing officials notice and government briefing booklet, which contained information about records management responsibilities and, oblig and obligations, including email records. And you know what those obligations generally are? Even all records you do as you commit or uh, create as a government official, when you go to leave, even if you think they're personal, they're government records. Her email system was obviously a government email system in disguise, yet she took all that information, including classified information, and tried to hide and destroy some of it. Ms. Thien also testified that throughout Secretary Clinton's tenure, State Department held annual records management workshops. Members of Clinton's office's office always attended the workshops. And Ms. Thien recalls seeing Yuma Abedin, Hillary Clinton's deputy chief of staff, attend at least one workshop held in Secretary's own conference room just feet from her office. Secretary Clinton worked directly with Secretary Kissinger Henry Kissinger, prior Secretary of State from the 70s, I retaining or releasing his own federal records. She knew. 
So I said there were at least six occasions where Secretary Clinton or top people were warned on this issue. You getting the picture? And of course, Yuma Abedin, who I just talked about. She said, uh, go ask Hillary Clinton about this, because she didn't know some of the information that we were asking about. She said, ask Hillary Clinton. That's what we want to do. And we're doing this over the objections of the State Department. We have found, and I've told you this before, that uh, judicial uh, Justice Department lawyers have been coordinating with Hillary Clinton's lawyers to oppose our efforts for discovery. Did you hear that? This is not the Obama administration. This is the current Justice Department that's been helping Hillary Clinton try to avoid discovery and trying to prevent us from getting any answers to any of the questions we want from any other witness. They don't think the government should have to answer any more questions on Hillary Clinton, her emails, Benghazi, anything. We should be happy with the documents we have, and that should be the end of it, more or less. And thankfully, the court disagrees, and we're getting these answers. As I said, there's other testimony that's already taking place. Other documents have come to us, including an email that I've discussed recently that show that the State Department top people knew Hillary Clinton had a secret email account that she didn't want disclosed. So when she says, well, everyone knew I had it, well, we have an email that says she didn't want everyone to know she had it. You know what I think is interesting? After Trump won, not the Republican Senate, not the Republican House, held one hearing on Clinton's emails. Can you believe it? Not one hearing. And it was left to Judicial Watch to do all this work. And now that it looks like she's running for president, you think they're going to do anything? Of course not. And as I said, if it weren't for a court, ordering the release of this information or the, this additional evidence gathering, we wouldn't know any of this about the Obama White House cover-up. Makes sense as to why there was no pro prosecution because it wasn't just a Hillary Clinton email scandal, it was an Obama scandal. It was a Justice Department scandal. It was an FBI scandal. It was a State Department scandal. President Obama corresponded with Hillary Clinton on the secret system. White House counsel under Obama directed State Department lies to people asking about her emails. We had an FBI official admit to us in sworn testimony, written sworn testimony, that they found Clinton emails in the Obama White House. When they had to go around figuring out if they could uncover any of the emails they deleted, it looks like they had to go to the Obama White House to get some of them. That's why there were no prosecutions, because Hillary Clinton, any trial of Hillary Clinton would involve bringing Barack Obama in as a witness, potentially. But I'm glad there's one federal court judge who's not afraid to ask some of these questions. I don't know how he's going to rule on Hillary Clinton's efforts to derail our, our request to test, have her testify under oath in person. 
But isn't it good that at least we're going through the legal process and someone's actually asking these questions? So I'll let you know what the court comes up with or how he rules. Uh, in the meantime, we've got other discovery that we're pursuing and more information. We have Benghazi material that's going to knock your socks off that I'll talk about next week. And so as the lawless House of Representatives seeks to overthrow your president, we're seeking to uncover what they are trying to suppress through this coup distraction. And we only do it with your support. And those of you supporting us, thank you. Those of us who aren't supporting us, I think I've given you plenty of reason to start supporting Judicial Watch. And everyone, I want you to go online to our website, find out, find these documents I'm talking about, and spread the information I'm talking about far and wide. We've got to educate fellow Americans about the coup crisis, about the corruption of the Obama administration, and how it's informing the current efforts to undermine the constitutional republic by unlawfully seeking the removal, prosecution, and spying on of the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. And of course, everyone wants to know what Hillary Clinton was up to, and we've got more of the truth that you wouldn't have been able to unknow about but for Judicial Watch's diligence in federal court. I want to thank you for joining us, and I'll see you next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.